Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, domestic violence, rape, incest, uh, societal acceptance of violence against women. Um, let's see, foster care, emancipation, therapy, BDSM, kink, willful education, university, etc. Uh, corporate America, career, um, 12 step, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, philosophy, comedy. Uh, what else? Hmm. Mm, being responsible, uh, knowing how to apologize and make amends when necessary, because we all do now and again. I mean, because every once in a while, we're wrong, right? So, <laughs> let's see. Um, the house on Valencia Street is a haunted place I grew up in, in Walla Walla, Washington, for several years as a child, 30, 40, 50 years ago, somewhere in there. The house is haunted, as far as my experience, and three of four daughters in my family saw ghosts in this house. We don't talk to each other, but we still talk about this house. And I've got sisters in their 60s, and I'm in my 50s, and friends and cousins. There's some people that remember this house. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, this is a place where people who are incest and rape survivors can talk about their experience from their perspective. Um, it's not going to be someone who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped. Now, there's also things that are like, uh, you know, psychic ability, intuition, um, these things, they're real. Um, they may not be able to be scientifically defined in a lab, but they're real <clears throat> in my perception of things and met several others, certainly. Um, so here is a place where I'm putting a fence around this house and saying we get to talk about it from our perspective. As long as you're adults and you know the you got you got everything, this is what we're gonna talk about, then you can be responsible and use your discernment. Okay. You've been given the option for discernment to choose things. And sometimes I need about six or seven pieces of information before I make a final decision on something. And sometimes I need more. Because mm, there's always more. There's never going to be an end to what you can learn, right? Mm. So let's see. Okay. Um, I am not a professional therapist. This is for entertainment purposes only. Um, let's see what else. If you have mental health stuff kicking up, I recommend that you go talk to a professional. That is not me. Um, you can go ahead and go to support groups. And let's say you're poor and you don't got a lot of money. Well, there's 12-step groups. There's phone groups. Uh, you can kick up uh, ACOA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics or Al-Anon. That's for codependent enablers. That's my perception of things. Uh, we are the loved ones who, uh, family members and friends of the, the, the loved ones of the alcoholic or addict. And some of us are also addicts. I'm a gambling addict. And um, last month I passed 10 years of cho choosing willfully to not, I used my discernment for 10 years and I haven't gambled. <laughs> Although I do get stoned on some cannabis and pop up uh, Facebook. Uh, oops, I shouldn't be mentioning. I don't want to mention uh, proper nouns on that one. I'll pop up some uh, online free slot machines, get a little stoned and have a little fun for about a half hour because I can afford that. And, you know, sometimes alcoholics drink um, non-alcoholic beer so they don't feel deprived, you know, so they can kind of get back to the sensation of it. 
Um, or a lot of times when people go through um, stopping drinking, they'll start focusing a lot on expensive seltzer waters or some type of thing where they can fumble with their hand. Same thing with smokers. A lot of times they want to fidget with something. And what they're realizing is more of a pacifier in a way. Um, and there's all kinds of things that can offer that soothing to you once you kind of evaluate your options, right? Let's see. Okay, did I get all the headers out of the way? Do, 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 do. I think so. Yeah, all right. Okay, it's uh, March 12th, 2022. And um, let's see. I'm still kind of gathering myself today. All right, let's go through the list of things we're going to talk about today. Oh, we got some juicy tidbits, baby doll. Let me see. The first one is we got the intro out of the way. We're going to do a little bit of a check-in. Hey, it's in April, towards the end of April. It's going to be a year since I started this podcast. And I've been reflecting on that year and my intention here. And I'm opening up a couple things. Um, I'm ex I'm kind of encouraged and excited because meditation and prayer brought me an opportunity to change and do something contrasting. So that's coming up next. Um, what else? Um, my heart is breaking for the Ukraine. Uh, Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. Yeah. Glory. Glory of Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. So, um, uh, I will say, uh, I don't know how to process this. I've got a nice, well, it's nice enough for me out here in the woods, you know, and I'm close enough to enough to get my resources and things, but I keep having this strong thought of, do I host a refugee? I mean, I've been having this thought in my head of, could I open up my storage room and maybe put a cot or a bed in there and host a refugee or two, you know, and, um, I've been really praying about that and I'm trying to figure out if it's just a soothing, maybe I'm projecting and transferring my own uh, codependent enabling wanted to caretake, but also my heart's breaking for these people. And I, I just, I keep seeing all these people, these traumatized people. And I'm remembering foster care and I'm remembering Howard beat mom into the hospital. And he was a supervisor at the post office, Howard. Yeah. He lived up on the hill there at the, where the witch people or the upper, upper middle class income folks uh, lived and worked part of our tenure together. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm opening up conversations and things and it triggers a lot of, I think a lot of us are just trying to get through the day and it's amazing to see our life changing these days and uh, trying to figure out how to adapt to the changes with COVID, right? Uh, maybe I'm quite fine living at home and not leaving very often. Maybe that's going to work. <laughs> Maybe having a couple people check in on me and get my resources and go go to the go get the resources I need now and again. Maybe that's okay, right? So, anyway, um, so one year's coming up on that. Uh, I'm emotionally kind of a bit of a mix because I'm trying to be present with what's going on because you got to be informed, as they say, to be informed or to be sane. Sometimes it's hard to balance, but we're back to that using your discernment. That's a real good tool you got there. So emotionally, let's see, um, I'm having some really great work in my meditation practice with a different teacher, and I'm using a lot of techniques which are really making my brain and my mind really happy. Let me give you an example. Um, a lot of times we think about whether or not there's enough uh, money, or whether or not there's enough food, or whether or not your hair is thinning, or your hair is going gray, or, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so a lot of times you're going to knee jerk to, God, I, I need some new shoes. I haven't had a new pair of shoes in years. And I, I, you know, I love exercising, but you know, they're breaking down and I can only run them through the washer one more time. Right. So, uh, tennis shoes sometimes. So, um, 
what are you going to do? Well, um, you could think about it this way. This is the, the message that you're sending to the universe. I've been really excited about this process. It's hard though. So you sit there and go, oh God, I need new shoes. I don't have enough shoes. And then you go, I really enjoy the opportunity to get new shoes. I remember what it's like opening that box and smelling the new shoe smell, you know, and then putting them on with the brand new white little tennis shoe, your little uh, tennis shoe shoe strings. And oh, I remember the first time I learned how to tie my shoes, which ironically happened with down in California with my sister, uh, the French one and father. That's one memory that's blazoned into my mind too. But you can change the way you think about things by um, encouraging those memories of the things that brought you what you needed. So I'm really doing a lot of, it's very exhausting because it's really easy to need your, uh, I don't got this and I don't got that. And what the fuck? And you know, sexism and this and sexism and that. I got that son of a bitch. You know, I could just rampage, rampage. Well, you can also do appreciation rampage, see, and uh, sure makes me feel a hell of a lot better. And so it, it also bolsters you when you're dealing with all this shit. It's like, at least you got a reserve to go to your inner being, your, your inner your inner heart and a connection to a source of some sort. Right. So flipping that that script um, is useful. Uh, it takes a while though, 15 minutes a day for a month or two before I start seeing results. And I'm kind of swimming downstream in a good way that way right now. So thank you. Who'd have thunk that just sitting down 15, 20 minutes for a month or two is going to make you feel like buoyant and like joyful and like you got sunbeams coming out of your heart some days because you just can't contain how much God and love there is surrounding us. All kinds of stuff we can't even see. I mean, that's the nice thing is I love connecting up to that source when I'm feeling downtrodden or overwhelmed and there's been some kind of contrasting experience. It's a what a grace. What a what an option. Anyway, so that's my check-in. My check-in also, this last week, I did a lot of silent listening when I would do meditation and then just listen. And if you've ever had spirit talking to you in a very specific way, repeating things or saying words that you don't commonly use, it's really refreshing. Um, for example, um, I was getting a nudge this week to open a door. And so I'm going to try and do it this week. <laughs> and I guess we'll start getting towards that goal. So let's go ahead and rip on into that. All right. I refer to myself here as the host. All right. And I've been evaluating what is the host? What does that word mean? So let's dig around in what the host means. Um, the host is defined as, I'm looking towards an encyclopedia resource. There was um, some Oxford references. I'll get a couple of notes. Uh, you, I'll catch up the notes on the pod soon. But the host is defined if you look towards a couple different dictionaries, etc. I'll give you a few options here. First, a host is a person who receives or entertains others as guests. A host can also be an animal or plant on or in which a parasite or commensal organism lives. This word, the host, uh, derives from the Latin word hostia or hospitum. There's a connection between the two. Uh, hostia started becoming more popular in the 13th century in Latin derived French. There's also uh, host. Uh, there's a similar word in French commonly used. But the word hostia from 13th century refers to a victim or sacrifice. <laughs> um, 
and it became popularized culturally um, because it became recognized as the transubstantiation of consecrated bread in the Christian faith. Um, the hostia, the host, is considered the body of Christ in the consecrated bread of the Eucharist also. So there's a couple of meanings in which you are hosting and being hospitable to people who are your guests, but you also can be parasitically targeted or sacrificed in the process according to the definition of the word. And if you have ever been diagnosed with PTSD, and if you've got any memories that uh, disable you, and sometimes you just got to sit for a second or two while they pass through you so you can actually function, well, you probably can relate, yeah? Um, I like knowing a couple different angles of the knowledge that I seek, and it really is satisfying to understand that sometimes we're drawn to things and we don't quite know why. Then later you'll go, well, isn't that ironic? Uh, don't you think? It's like rain on a... Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, we won't be quoting that song. Okay, let me go. I guess I just did. Okay, um, all right. I've been mulling on the concept of the word host and kind of digging around there because there's so many different roots to it. Um, yes, indeed. So let's transition to this next part and let's see if you can see the door I might be opening here. <clears throat> next, if you seek support, a listening ear, or help sorting ghosts and psychics, perhaps comedians, or if you would like healing and help from past relationships, clocking predators, or how to be still and find peace, I invite you to email bookachatwiththehost at gmail.com to set up private coaching sessions and chats with me. <laughs> I figure it's been a year that I've been evaluating this place. Maybe I can open the door a bit. Hmm. And we'll see. This is an experiment. I'm just opening the door to see what happens. Um, I'm excited, though, because maybe there's a couple of different connections that can be made. And I like to listen. Mm, yes. All right. <clears throat> now that we're moving on through that, we've got the host defined. We've got an option to connect if you want to book chats with me. What is it? Well, it's what you've got. It's what you've got is the next part. Mm. <laughs> oh dear, this one is going to take a bit of a chew. I've got about five or six references, and Gloria Steinem is involved, along with a puppet, which, I mean, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> do I take a break now, or do I keep pushing through on this? I think I'll keep pushing through. Yes. All right. Well, I've been um, mulling. See, I meditate. And right now, let me pick up this photo. I'm looking at a photo of myself sitting in the living room at the house on Valencia Street. I'm about 12 to 13 years old, and the hair comes down to my shoulders. It's just cresting on my shoulders. A bit long, a bit long yet, kind of curled under. I've referred to that kind of mop kind of look uh, that... Um, well, Helen Reddy had it straighter, but uh, Dorothy Hamill had it more. This is a, an extended version of that. Yeah. I'm holding a little stuffed bunny with big fur on it, and it's keeping me tight and warm. And somebody else's peach-colored bathrobe. I don't think it's mine. I guess it was probably one of my sister's because it's quite big on me. And I've got 
nice white tidy socks all the way up to my knees. Mm, the doorway outside of the Valencia Street house is behind my shoulder. It looks like we're all in a circle, like we're at uh, Christmas or something. And the door had a large rectangular window in it. And it was wide open. You could see straight into the house if you stood outside of our door. We had to put a piece of cardboard over it with a nail. And so we'd, we'd push the cardboard to the side. It was about, oh, I don't know, an eight by five card. The window was rather large, and I always had to get on my tippy-top toes to look out of it. Mm, not the securest thing, but it was an older house after all. Everything's yellow, even the wood paneling, even the plastic-looking curtains. It's all yellow. And in the corner of this photo is my sister's. It's one of my sister's legs, and I don't know which one, but it's nylons with a short skirt. It looks like a Christmas dress you might wear at a midnight mass or something, not the Netflix recent version of midnight mass, but um, we sometimes would go to sing because we all were singers. And so we'd go to mom's church and um, depending on where she was uh, evaluating. <clears throat> anyway, call out to little me way back when. All right, last but not least, I'm holding this big fuzzy bunny in this picture. Um, and I look like a little doll, really. I used to get told that a lot. People would approach my mother at the store, the grocery store. I've had several of my sisters say that I would get approached. They'd say, she's a living doll. She's a living doll. She doesn't look real. Because <laughs> it was like big eyes, you know. I think some of us in our youth and my family looked a bit like those children that they used to paint on velvet with the oversized eyes. Yeah, that looked a little bit... Um, vulnerable. Mm, a bit like Puss in Boots did. Yeah, Puss in Boots and Shrek. You know, when he'd get those big eyeballs and he'd do that thing where his eyes would get all big and moist and the irises would expand and cover up all the whites of his eyes and he would plead and look at you like, please, sir, may I have another? He'd do that little thing and then and then he'd take out his little knife and stab you as you were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then he'd just poke you, you know. <laughs> I'm not looking to do that with anybody, but that's when one, one way where we see someone using vulnerability to entice in order to um, manipulate a situation. So I'm going to bring up this very strange bit of, uh, I'm still digesting what to do with this bit, um, but it brings back quite a lot of feelings. Um, the Muppets were something that I'm seeing, they're advertising more. I'm seeing in a couple different commercials. Is it... So VRBO, Verbo, it's kind of like a competitor to Airbnb. They've got a commercial that has a very Kermit the Frog sounding voice. And I'm finding myself dancing to it and hopping up like I did, so to speak, with the Rainbow Connection, with the Muppet Show, with all the songs they used to sing. And um, I want to pause there because that's seductive. See, and that's, I, I got to see what's going on there. So I was thinking the Muppets and Kermit, and why is Kermit so soothing to me? But when I evaluate the Muppet show and the Muppets, sometimes I struggle with it. And you'll see why. I'll mention a couple things. Uh, the Muppet show had, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 puppet characters. What, what female characters did the Muppets have out of all those characters? Well, we had Miss Piggy, a fat feminist who was vain and violent. Or... Well, theoretically, a feminist. This was an this was a puppet created by a man, 
and his fantasy of what a fat picky feminist was. And then let's see, there's the for sure, really, that woman who is the drummer or she worked not the drummer because that was animal. And we know the animal was a drummer. Um, she was in the band uh, with a Dr. Teeth. Dr. Teeth band. Uh, she had long, stringy blonde hair. Okay, so she was a character that that was another woman who was a puppet who would get airtime to talk. Other than that, I can't really remember any of the women puppets other than the chickens, the chickens that were Gonzo's girlfriends. Remember them? And they didn't get to talk. They just clucked like hands. Okay, and I'm going to pause for a second. This is made in the 70s, right? And I mean, how many of us, I mean, there's at least half a dozen famous performances that happened on The Muppet Show that I could probably refer to right now. I mean, how many famous singers were there at the time on that show? Yet, also like The Fallen Ones, you know, um, when we look back, it's incredibly sexist. There's all kinds of gender, race, and socioeconomic demographic demographic assumptions going on there. And one thing I've really struggled with is I love The Muppets. And when I was looking for someone to connect to um, in between the performances, there were at least three or four different choruses, choirs and ensembles I had to perform the Rainbow Connection with when I was younger. That was even before high school. So um, that was a really popular song, you know, the Rainbow Connection, the lovers, the dreamers, you know, come on, we all know that one, right? So um, so you get kind of sick of it, but it's still the soothing, warm place to go. and yet. It's imbalanced, right? The way they treat women in the Muppet show, maybe the people that were performers, but the Muppets, a bunch of white men made a bunch of puppets in their fantasies of what men and women were in animal form, right? So uh, the Muppet show could have done better with gender. I know we're grown, but I just want to say that one of the things I struggle with all the time is I still love the Muppets. I still love those songs. I had to perform them. It's like sense memory. My body remembers them because I had to perform their music some. And um, yet emotionally, I needed what they had as a child and a baby going through hell, you know, uh, before I got to foster care and emancipation. So I want to share a little experience. I, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to process here. Um, in 2015, the Sackler Center had their first awards. 2015, it was a Sackler Center. Um, This was based or was located with the Elizabeth A. Sackler Center for Feminist Art in Brooklyn, at the Brooklyn Museum in New York. Okay. So (laughs) why is this relevant? Well, the Muppets were awarded there, and Miss Piggy was honored at the 2015 Sackler Center First Awards, see? And I was actually watching this on YouTube, and I'll include the links. I may not get to all the links on the notes today, but um, I was watching this because I'm having this weird moment of like, you know, you love Frida Kahlo, you love the movie Frida, yet Harvey Weinstein produced it. So what do you do with all the art that he produced where Mira Servino was a Oscar winner who lost 20 years of her career because Harvey Weinstein tried to sexually assault her three times and blackballed her. You know, so you sit there and go, well, that's what women have. That's the price women got to pay to get heard, right? You know, and you go, well, no, we don't. That's just the way it is now. See, we got a bunch of bullies that happen to be physically stronger than us, uh, biologically, commonly. Um, and, uh, you know, tend to exploit some of their differences psychologically. For example, empathy disorder behavior. We've seen several studies that show that that's overwhelmingly male, right? So statistically, 80% or higher many times for an empathy disordered person who can be diagnosable, which I can't diagnose. I don't have the degrees, um, but I can talk to you about it. <laughs> 
and I can tell you that, you know, there's all kinds of resources and options to get um, more knowledge, right? Because knowledge is power. Uh, or on Game of Thrones, uh, what was it? <laughs> Cersei was saying power is power. There's a scene there. Anyway, uh, depends on how you look at it. Um, and yet again, I'll pause. The The archetype I just referred to, which is Cersei, talking about power is power, was um, a man of a particular race, gender, age, socioeconomic demographic, and physical capacity or physical body size or shape or... Um, the, there's all these things lined up where you sit there and go, well, this one particular female character is getting um, voice or getting to be heard. Yet then when you look at the context, you go, oh, guess what? They weren't really free to say what they wanted. They weren't really consenting because there was power and they didn't get to be free about how they felt because they were being threatened, you know, so you have to go back and go. Mm. So 2015 Sackler Center for the first awards were given and, and uh, Ms. Piggy was honored see now if you watch the 2015 sackler center first awards first awards gloria steinem and kermit the frog open up the show talking to each other and for, for uh, my edification which made me pretty damn happy you're sitting there looking at this going gloria steinem i worship you you know and then there's uh, here's kermit the frog but in the background at this 2015 sackler awards is leah delaria <laughs> Big old butch dad comedian. Yeah. So I was sitting there going, family. Oh my God. There's one of me here. Okay. So then I'm like, you know, I'm watching this going, Gloria Stein and Kermit the Frog, Leah Delaria. And they're going to give an award to Miss Piggy. Well, it's a kind of a difficult thing because all of these people are so historically informative and important, yet they're mixed in this context where power isn't really being shared fairly, right? So. Um, I just wanted to say that when I was watching that with Gloria Steinem and Leah Delaria and Kermit the Frog, I was just like, I was having this moment of like, I'm not even stoned and this is frying my brain, you know? So anyway, um, and if you're interested in Leah Delaria's work, uh, her website is leahdelaria.com. That's L-E-A-D-E-L-A-I, oh crap, let me try it one more time. Leah Delaria, L-E-A-D-E-L-A-R-I-A dot C-O-M. Or Gloria Steinem, if you're interested in her work, it's uh, GloriaSteinem.com, and she's so ubiquitous, you probably, you probably know her, her name. Um, the fine, finishing point I want to put on this little uh, weird quesadilla, because when you go digging through some of these important things when you're doing research or hearkening back to a time, um, you'll sit there and go, that's pretty fucked up. There's about four degrees of fucked up and about five degrees of okay. You know what I mean? So here we go. We're going through, and I just want to round out about the Sackler Center for Feminist Art in Brooklyn, New York. Well, uh, it opened in March 2007. Um, the Center's Forum is a venue for public programs and a platform for advocacy for women's issues. The thing is, the Sacklers, if you've been reading the news at all, are associated with Purdue Pharma, and they are the people that pushed OxyContin to the point where they made all kinds of money. So this is where you sit there and go, okay, Jeff Bezos is going to donate that much, but his ex-wife is going to donate over half of her billions because she's motivated different, apparently, than Jeff Bezos is, right? The way they spend money. Or, you know, wealthy people don't pay taxes, but then, the, you know, the Gates Foundation makes a big show of donating a bunch of um, uh, malaria drugs or drugs to fight uh, diseases in foreign countries with uh, vaccinations or what have you, yet they're not paying taxes and they are defining our culture in a lot of ways. And after um, 
the Gates Foundation and his software company, anybody who's worked in IT, you're going to know Microsoft. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you're going to know Microsoft. <laughs> uh -huh. oh, okay, still twitching on that one. I've got some a couple of thoughts on that. But anyway, let's see. So um, coming back to it, it's really difficult when you're evaluating these entities like Google or what have you that are donating all kinds of large amounts of money, yet they're getting, uh, you know, the bias. And um, oh, there's a new phrase coming out, block the bias, block the bias about gender, uh, race, socioeconomic, demographic. But it's mostly, it came out on International Women's Day, where you make an X with your wrists in front of your face. So if someone's doing gender bias or gender discrimination, you put up your hands and go block the bias, because you acknowledge that someone's being biased. And I'm going to be experimenting with that. Um, it's exciting to have a, a word for it, you know, Kind of like um, when I learned that the through some of my support group work, um, people can devalue your work, and devaluing is a verb, see? And I had to learn that people do that, you know? And it's like, oh, so I might be diminishing my own value that way, getting back to using your discernment, yeah? So I've got some mixed feelings about this thing, about the fact that this caricature of Miss Piggy is considered a feminist icon, but really she's a white man's fantasy of a feminist icon, <laughs> uh, a white man with money's uh, ideal. And the thing is, again, I love Jim Henson, but I'm kind of thinking that Jim Henson to me in some ways is kind of, I'm not quite committing to the fallen ones with that because culture has been changed and shifted for the better so much with that person's art. So anyway, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming to the house on Valencia Street today. And I want you to be informed and to make willful choices and use your discernment. Please know that you're never alone. You're never alone here at the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's, um, whether you like it or not, 